Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Town Hall, our newest open panel discussion podcast about tackling the internal issues preventing progress within the Black community. I'm your host and moderator, Brianna Rhodes, and today we will be discussing religion and Christianity in the Black community. Before we begin, allow me to introduce my lovely panel of guests. First off is Dr. Lucretia Taylor. Hi. Second is Tiffany Rosier. Hi. Next is Brandon Hull. Okay. Next is Dr. Marguerite Heinrich. How are you today? Next is Skylar Caesar. Hi. Hello. And last but not least is Victor Sandifer. Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you all so much for being available for this discussion. We have a lot to tackle on during this episode, so let's jump right on in. So as I said, we are discussing religion and Christianity in the Black community. And I want to start off by asking you all, what has the relationship been like between Christianity and the Black community? That's a good question. I feel like people oftentimes like to have something to associate with that gives them feelings of hope. And I think that's one big value or benefit that religion has for people. I think that Black people in this country and I guess around the world have often had to struggle and to be able to have one, a sense of community, but also something that um, something that gives them hope for the future and says, even if in this world, we're not having the time that we should be having or we're struggling, we're going to get to a place where we can thrive. I think that's what grounds some people. I think Christianity has its origins for Black Americans and and our descent, um, being descendants of slavery and that religion being handed to us and sometimes even being forced upon us. I do believe that um, all organized religion is um, uh, quite oppressive. Uh, in a variety of ways, um, no matter the denomination. And so, while you know, folks choose to, as Skylar mentioned, believe in uh, things that they can't see uh, in order to feel comforted and faithful um, and also to resonate what will happen when they die. I think the idea that you, you are controlled in a variety of ways by any organized religion is problematic, um, but I understand um, the idea of faith and needing to have something to lean on. I don't um, subscribe to the siphoning of uh, money out of the community um, and other things that organized religion does that are negatively impactful to the community. I think that there is a lot of hypocrisy in um, the church, especially when um, I think that a lot of like growing up, I had to go to church. Like uh, that was just expected. And I think that maybe if I was a kid and I was given a choice of whether or not I wanted to go, I might embrace uh, things a little bit differently. But when you're kind of forced, you kind of become disenchanted. And uh, I feel like a lot of things that I saw were very performative. Um, And uh, I think as an adult, uh, the appeal just didn't um, really stay with me. Um, And for a while, I felt like I was going to church as an adult out of obligation because this is like how I grew up or this is 
what I'm supposed to do to be, you know, a good Christian. And um, where, whereas I do believe that, um, you know, you can have a spiritual walk um, and have, you know, that connection, that relationship. I'm not really, uh, you know, necessarily for the whole, you know, going into a building all the time and just kind of seeing um, all the things that, you know, colloquially associated with the black church. I know Christianity in general um, is seeing a time, uh, actually a time right now of deconstruction. A lot of people who grew up as Christian kids and um, or uh, pastors kids and they are deconstructing their faith completely because they have recognized the levels of oppression and abuse and a lot of other um, a lot of other trauma that comes from those spaces. And so not I, the one place that's kind of held, strangely enough, the one community that keeps holding its ground on this is Black America when it comes to Christianity. And um, because there's a lot of kids in white America who are like, I'm out, I can't do this no more with y'all. Like I, there's way too much abuse here, I'm getting out of here. So there's a huge trend of deconstruction right now um, amongst Christ, in Christianity in the Western world in general and overall. And I think it's, giving people an opportunity to question a where their connection comes from and in this relationship and then what benefits have they seen and what and if they haven't seen any why are they still so deeply entrenched and so deeply committed to it um as well as start to question even some of the basic historical foundations of so much of it and um so i am rooting for everyone who is making who who are asking a bunch of questions and deconstructing and and really just because for me it's like the whole point is to get to a place of truth and if you aren't prepared if you are programmed to not ask any questions you're never going to do that and so i think right now people are in a space of like well let me ask more questions because this has caused me more harm and now i'm i feel safe enough to say that it's caused me harm and so i you know for me i'm just waiting for black people to get on board <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go ahead and ask y'all's questions. And that means not just Christianity, but any organized religion. Start to ask your questions. You know, you had uncles and aunts and grandparents who used abusive language, who were hypocritical, who, you know, might have been married and had two mistresses and three kids on the side and everything else, but would immediately come to your life and be like, um, when's the last time you went to church? And you're just like, well, when's the last time you was faithful to your wife? Like, we we have that experience within the Black community right now. And I feel like they we need to give each other permission to explore. If you come to the same conclusions that you are at now, that's your business. But if you don't, then you are perfectly within your rights to ask those questions and to seek out new information and new answers. But, uh, I also think too that uh, that a lot of Black people who are, um, you know, um, ingrained in the church, they use that as a uh, monolith for like, th this is the answer to all of my problems. Uh, and especially when you discuss mental health, uh, it's not going to cut it just to say, oh, I'm just going to pray. Like, and where, whereas like if, if that, like, I'm not saying that that's not helpful, but what other steps are we taking to actually make sure that we are taking care of ourselves mentally? You can't just pray. I, I, I don't, I don't think that that's wisdom just personally. And I grew up in a household where I was not able to express, it's already as a black man, we're not really given safe spaces to be able to express ourselves uh, mentally or emotionally, but just to be able to try to be in that space and then to kind of just be told, well, just give it to God or like, just pray about it. Like, that's not really, okay, that it, 
it's almost again, it's just something that you say to be ornamental. Like it's it, it's something you say to make you feel better, you know, but it doesn't, you know, what's actually happening. And I think as uh Dr. Heimrich just put in the chat, uh, you know, church's therapy, like that, that's that's not that's not that's not the case. Like it's not. We need something else. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with going to church if that's what makes you feel better, but there needs to be something attached to it. Scarlett, you said something where you were like, um, you love the idea of having something to believe in, but don't like the rules and hypocrisy around it all and the feelings of obligation. It's very confusing. And honestly, sometimes I don't know how to feel. I can relate to you, especially since I've started my journey with like spirituality and how that kind of conflicts with Christianity. Can you tell me more about your thoughts and your process of being able to go go along this journey in general? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, when I was younger, I definitely grew up going to church, being a part of the community, um, volunteering with it, things of that nature. But I always felt kind of a disconnect. Like I'd see people in the audience with their hands up and all this stuff. And I never felt like that connection. I almost felt like, am I missing something? Do I just need to fake it till I make it? I kind of just didn't know how to feel, but I always liked the idea of religion because I don't know what happens after you pass away and it's confusing to me. And I do love the idea of having something to like cope with in that way. But honestly, it's so confusing. And as an adult, you know, I still believe in God and I consider myself to be a Christian, but I don't go to church. I don't really have a strong desire to go at this point in time. And sometimes it does make me feel bad, but it's definitely like an internal struggle that I'm having. And I don't know what the answer is or what I want to do about it yet. I feel the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I want to um, add first, I'm going to say my good stuff. So some of the good stuff that I think comes from like the church in particular. Um, it was like the first place where black folks could actually like congregate in, in places like together. It was the one like first institution that we had. Um, and so in that sense, it was very important to the black experience, particularly in America. Um, out of that birth Sunday school, which some people argue um, was the precursor to us even having a public education system that we have today. Um, because I was reading a couple of books and when they were asking these form these newly uh, freed slave folk, I mean, people who were newly freed, they were asking like, what was the one thing that you wanted to do? And the one thing that they always said was like, I want to get an education. And they already had this kind of um, concept of like this education through like Sunday school. Um, so I'll say that like in those ways, like the church has definitely been instrumental in all the movements. They've always been instrumental in those ways. But I think the issue becomes when we take those those teachings and stuff as laws and not as like stories at some point to teach a message to us. Um, and when we take it as that people, it's all so it's always like people using it to say I'm better than you or I'm not better than you because I follow these laws or I don't follow these laws. So I think that's always been an issue for black folks in particular. And then it's just been used to control us. Right. In certain ways, like obey your masters obey those who have rule over you like that that whole concept is just a crazy one and i think most importantly to me when, and when it comes to religion i think it takes the ownership off of the individual and why, why i say that is this i think that in, if we're all god's children then we are god ourselves 
And when you say that the only reason why somebody was able to live a perfect life or able to be certain, like a certain kind of way is because God came back as Jesus and died for our sins. So now we can live like it just don't make sense in the sense that we're all God. And if we all take that ownership of being God, then we can do exactly what God said, which is take nothing and make something, which we all do every day. Right. We take these thoughts and these ideals that we have and we manifest them into into real life things. And I think the way in which you it's been justified for us to be enslaved in the humane um, in the humane um, fashion that we have been, we were enslaved was to say that God ordained it. And that's just how Christianity has been used against us. And I think it, a lot of that um, seeps through today. I would always invite people, like, especially when I started deconstructing a few years ago, the one thing that I would always get arguments about is, well, it, you know, it says what it says and you shouldn't question any of it. And I was like, okay, well, let's go with that premise then. Um, you know, Christianity globally has a very interesting history uh, and where it, <laughs> and you're just like, uh-huh, okay. And so things like, I remember one of the big arguments always was, you know, about the Bible, essentially. You can't put anything in it. You can't pick, extract anything from it. You can't change anything around. And so my argument was always, around the Lord's Prayer, which is a big part of a lot of organized Christian religion, um, whether you sing it, recite it, or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, let's talk about that one moment in history. I'm like, so Henry VIII decided to rewrite the Lord's Prayer to be more reflective of himself. And most people were like, huh? I'm like, yeah, you need to just actually review the history of the, the book, the physical book in and of itself and how it was translated and rewritten. And I'm like, so when Henry broke with the Roman Catholic Church and essentially established a religion under his own name because he wanted to divorce his first wife and marry his mistress, he created a common prayer book in order to unite everybody under him because essentially what he was trying to do was eliminate the Pope between him and God. And, you know, he had enough people around him say, well, there shouldn't be anybody between you and God because you are the king and only God anoints the king. So there's a whole ugly history of Christianity in general in the world. So how do you take that history and try to reconcile it to what's happening with you as a black American today? It just doesn't make any sense because it's always constantly distorted in order to prop up whatever person or um, group is in power at the time. It's constantly rewritten and constantly reshuffled and constantly reintroduced. And so, you know, once I started to kind of part ways with Christianity as I knew it, it, that's when those things started to come up and people would just kind of go, well, I really can't argue any of the historical information, <laughs> but I can still hold on to the feeling of belief. And I think that's the thing people need to kind of grapple with. Okay, there's a feeling I get from having security around my belief and around my faith. I'm like, explore that then. You don't necessarily have to explore this, but explore that. That's the thing that's pulling you. That's the thing that's calling you. And so, you know, we, I think human beings are afraid to pull themselves away from structures because they're afraid that there's not either there's nothing there's nothing going to be there when they are finished or it's something that's going to be really different that they can't trust and they might have to um, learn all over again. But I say take the risk at this point because what ha what Christianity has yielded in the world is rivers of blood and not necessarily a lot of redemption. And so I just say question all of it. Like it's the fucking matrix at this point. Ask right. more questions. <laughs> I remember feeling like that, Tiffany, and I remember, you know, um, my own just kind of personal journey. And the one thing that I read or heard or someone said to me that resonates with me and resonates with me still is that sometimes life is too hard not to believe in a God, you know, and it's that idea of just there being a belief 
and things are going to work out. And that, that feeling of hope that you spoke about Skylar. So all of this on the screen, <laughs> you know, I resonate with and just appreciate your thoughts on, on that because um, it's, it's real. What do you all think about spirituality though? Like, you know, people think like having, I guess, crystals and things like that is kind of witchcraft and what else? Med meditating and all that stuff. So how do you all think that coincides with like religion and how that plays out within our, in our community? I don't judge anybody for what they, what they choose to believe in as long as it's not harmful to me or mine, then you can you can do what you want. And I think that with organized religion, there is a lot of judgment um, there, which kind of disenchants me from wanting to be a part of it, because what you do does not affect me. Like, it doesn't affect my life. So, like, if this is, if charging your crystals by the moonlight is what makes you happy, and it gives you a sense of peace, and it's good for your mental health, then I'm an advocate for it. And I'm not going to tell you, oh, this is wrong, or this is witchcraft, or you're going to hell for doing this, you know? because I'm not in a position where I can condemn anybody for what they choose to do, you know? So like, go for it. Yeah, I draw the line at the poverty pimps, you know, that kind of use spirituality and a lack of spiritual guidance to siphon resources from the community or from an individual, you know? And so while like Brandon said, as long as what you do doesn't impact me, sometimes, um, people prey on folks that need spiritual guidance, that need something to believe in or something to fall on or rest with in order to get through the day. Uh, and because we are kind of rooted in poverty and come, like you said, from generations of poverty, um, you know, we, pop, we fall victim and pray to that, I think, more than others. So I'll just say that. I think one of the reasons why people are opposed to spirituality, which is just such a blanket statement for so many things, is the idea that Christianity really does uplift this idea of separating yourself from your own body and your own spirit and your own human experience in a way that you should kind of throw it away because it's causing you to be tripped up and causing you harm, where actually the opposite should be happening. If you want to believe in something, believe in yourself, believe in your community. Um, because Christianity wants you to separate yourself from all of these experiences. It's like, okay, you need to be essentially a shell of a person and just constantly put, you know, the responsibility on other people for where you end up, um, for what happens to you. Um, this, I think this is another reason why it's so easy to prey on people who live in really hard circumstances is because if you can first tell them to not believe in themselves, it's a lot easier to keep them in poverty. It's a lot easier to keep them in abuse because now you are completely disembodying yourself. You're not here. You're not actually having an actual experience anymore because you're waiting for the person leading you to tell you what experience you should be having. So I tell people like now, it's like, if you're going to believe in anything, believe in yourself first. And that even comes when you're trying to uncover and unpack spirituality as a whole. I'm like, you're a, a spirit in a human body. So you're going to always have a sense of spirituality. You can't separate that. You are a spirit. So that's just how this is going to work out. How that plays out, though, is like for me, ask more questions than you have answers for. I think that the scariest thing for me about Christianity is they claim to have answers all the time. I don't even know how that's possible. I'm just like, you guys don't have enough questions for me to trust any of this. And then you're asking me not to believe in myself at all, like ever. 
well, you know, the problem with you is like, I remember my mom got sick last year and a good part of like when uh, Brandon was talking about mental health, physical health as well. Pray whatever illness that is away, pray your diabetes away, pray your high um, blood pressure away. Um, if you are ill, it's your fault because you don't have enough faith. I mean, I remember hearing all those messages in church and my mom, you know, she went into the hospital. She ended up with a pacemaker at some point. And initially she wasn't, she suffered with her condition for almost a year because she was part of the pray it away movement most of the time. And then she felt like she wasn't getting better because her faith wasn't big enough or deep enough or, you know, enough. And so again, it's this moment of you being pushed and separated from your own physical person and knowing what's best for yourself. She knew she should have gone to the hospital two years ago, but the, the religion kind of overtook all that good sense and was like, no, that's not what this is. What this is, that internal dialogue wasn't even hers anymore. And so I like, this is where I would say those things get dangerous because they tell you to stop believing in yourself. They tell you to stop trusting that internal voice that you have because it's not you and you're not a good enough person to even listen to that, whatever voice that is, listen to what we're telling you. And like, so all of it is about like kind of separating you from yourself. And I think spirituality, when we explore that is you being reintroduced to who you are and embracing that. And going, oh, no, I'm a person and I have, you know, I, I'm, it's okay for me to be here and to take up space. It's okay for me to listen to my internal guide. I don't have to give it a name even. It's just, it's me telling me like, hey, you're sick, go to the doctor. You don't just have to go to church and put, give them a $100 offering and hopefully you get better in a week. So that kind of thing, like for me, like that to explore spirituality is just the exploration of yourself and being reintroduced to who you really are. Because Christianity is so hell bent on separating people from their own personal experiences. So one thing that kind of stuck out to me is like, I don't know why when you were talking to Tiffany, like faith without works is dead. What are like your thoughts with that? Like and how it um, relates to religion and things like that. And then being able to hear your inner self. Some people call it intuition. Some people call it the Holy Spirit. So let me know your thoughts about that. I think that. human beings love titles and we love names. We love a, a framework and, a, and we, we just feel like we function better in certain types of structure. Um, so whether you call it your internal guide or whether you call it the Holy Spirit, it's, it's you, <laughs> all of that's you, it's still you. Um, and then the idea of faith without works is dead. I think because they, you know, people have essentially shoehorned it into the Bible as a biblical principle, we only leave it there, but faith without works across your entire life is dead. Like you can have really great ideas that will remain really great ideas. If you don't shit, if you don't do shit about them. So you could have the best idea for the best phone app in the entire world, but if you don't do anything about it, then it's just going to remain a really good idea. So faith without works is like essentially a belief without action goes nowhere. Mm -hmm. Same thing as watering something is what's going to cause it to grow. The things in your life that you pay attention to are the things that flourish. Like all, it's the same exact principle. It's just phrased differently. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you shoehorn it into Christianity because it's a great way to exploit people especially if you look at the context of the Bible and you go, well, the, the verse before it and the verse after it cements this idea that, okay, well, faith without works is dead. And that verse is usually connected to how can we get more money or extract more resources from people who don't already have them. So faith without works is dead. It's like, well, your health would be better if you gave a bigger offering. That's not what any, that's not what that principle even means. The principle mm -hmm. means that if there's something in you calling for you, calling on your action and you don't do anything about it, essentially it's going to die. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to have a, um, a diabolical effect on the entire world or even your own life. It's kind of like, oh, you know what? I could sit in traffic or I could take this exit and it might take me an extra 10 minutes to go home. 
but I'm gonna still get home in a matter, a certain matter of time, or I could just sit here in traffic and wait till the traffic clears. So it's just like I believe I, because I know I can get home in you know an extra ten minutes if I take this particular path, or I could stay right where I am, and I could get home in five minutes, or I could be another thirty minutes in traffic. I don't know. So for me, that's the principle around that is less about anything biblical or Christ, or based in Christianity, and more about how life in and of itself works. If there's something in you, you probably feel you should be doing and you don't do anything about that, it will die. It will die in you. There's plenty of people in the cemetery who have really great ideas that went right into the grave with them. Yep, that's very true. And I want to kind of like end this off by asking you all, I'm try to like combine these two questions, but do you all believe, you know, can Christianity and religion be used to solve problems within our community or at least alleviate them? I think that it can be used as um, a tool. And I think the tool is a point that someone touched on earlier where it brings people together into the same space. Maybe the religion itself isn't solving the problem, but the camaraderie or sense of community is what is solving the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that the black church was, um, you know, a staple in the community for helping to solve um, issues of food instability or education or childcare. And so I think that still exists, you know, to a large degree. Mm -hmm. um, and similar to Skylar's point, uh, a, a space for folks to gather, you know, when politicians are making their rounds, they go to the black church because they know they have an audience. Mm -hmm. And so we have political power that I think we need to kind of, um, you know, pull together and, and make some more demands in terms of have to more political change. You know, I, I look at it and I think I, I agree with that because I, I'm thinking just about the last election when when um, it seems as though Bernie Sanders was going to win and then South Carolina and then all the other states like just single-handedly flipped it and that had to do with a lot of black folks in the South, um, the older black folks in the South that flipped it all the way to be Joe Biden. Um, and I see that me personally as a negative thing. And I think that as our generation becomes more in power, we're starting to, to not be in the church as much. So I think we got to figure out another institution to use. Just to be honest, I don't know what the institution is going to be, but I don't think Christianity is going to save us because we've been asking for hundreds of years to be saved through Christianity and it still ain't happened yet. So I think now we're kind of like, nah, actually, we got to find something else. So I will, I will point out like during the, specifically during the civil rights movement, um, churches and restaurants were equally used. So mm -hmm. food spaces are always great alternatives. Mm -hmm. And I'm just saying, when you think about all the, a lot of uh, the political movements on the West Coast were driven by food movements, food security movements, um, you know, creating school lunch programs and things like that. So, but restaurants were a huge part of the civil rights movement, getting people to move through the South um, safely, safely as well, feeding people. Uh, I think MLK spent just as much time in restaurants as he did in churches. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's, I think we just, I think churches have the ability to help us that it, it illuminates some issues that we might be ignoring. Um, and because we have, um, you know, there's 
things we will talk about in church we might not talk about in other places, but vice versa. There are things we should be talking about in church that we just don't as Black people. So I think it can play a part in just helping us recognize issues that we might not be paying attention to. But as far as creating a haven for Black people to gather and kind of talk about things that are internal and then how we affect change on the external, I think we've always used a handful of community spaces. And like I said, restaurants and food spaces being one of those um, is definitely, I think, just the thing we need to revisit. If you have a Black-owned restaurant somewhere, I'm like, I'm thinking Oakland and I'm thinking the Soul Food Cafe and a couple of other places. Um, it just, there's a lot of black owned businesses that serve food that could absolutely be used um it should probably and should probably be used uh, mm-hmm. in these in these ways community gardens all types of things that black people are just growing things and feeding each other physically why not feed each other in other ways as well in these exact same places so i think these places exist we just have to rethink why we use them and how we use them yeah and i think it's important for us to like you know the whole thing that we've been doing with supporting black owned. We need to make sure that these places are preserved too. So I'm glad that you touched on that, Tiffany. And I pray that we continue to like look at me saying I pray. I pray that we continue to like, you know, support these entities so we can find other avenues to get together and have these discussions as well. So I want to thank you all for this episode. Um I think it's the fifth fourth episode now. So I want to thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Town Hall on the Polaris Network and have a great evening.